Uh, for our time here together, uh, I want to focus on the title of this sermon, um, The Essentials for Strong Relationships. Essentials for Strong Relationships. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you with thanksgiving and praise, God. Come before you. Thank you for this opportunity, um, the hour of receiving your word um, and to hear from you, God, through myself, the vessel which you have chosen for today, God. God, I humble myself as I sit here and, um, and deliver this message, God. God, I thank you for the revelation that you gave me in the preparation process. God, I allow your revelation, your knowledge, your truth, and your understanding to come through uh, in my delivery today, God, so that your people will be edified, God, and that they will be uh, challenged, compelled, and convicted to literally live out the relationships in their lives with you first at the helm, God, and trusting that you will build the relationships if we surrender all to you and allow you to come into our hearts and to our minds and to our lives and to give us the um, give us the tools, the skills, the mindsets and to build healthy and strong relationships. God. We know we've tried to do it on our own um, and we've had some failures, God. We've hurt some people. Some people have hurt us. And so, God, what we want to do in this time is grow in our understanding of how you desire for us to build relationships based on the way that you have built your relationship with us and the way Jesus Christ built his relationship with us, God, through his salvation and his work, God, on the cross and his resurrection. God, help us to have the ears to hear, eyes to see, and minds to understand. It is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let's dive right in. So, um, for most of you, you know, I was born in December 19, uh, December 19, December 1979, right? So technically by numbers, I'm born in the seventies, right? But I'm by heart, a eighties baby, right? So that means majority of the music, the African-American cultural, uh, elements that we all have been exposed to have impacted my life immensely. I would say 80s and 90s, but for today, I want to really focus on the 80s, right? And so as I was preparing this sermon um, and I was thinking about this, this, this sermon series, brick by brick, God building relationships, right? God's plan for building relationships. And we use the metaphor of the house in Psalm 127, the song um, by Luther Randross that came out in 1981, um, a, home, a house is not a home came to my mind, right? And as I was thinking about that song, I went and looked at the lyrics and I was like, man, not only was I was just wondering when I listened, I was like, man, I forgot just how great Luther was on this thing, right? But when I looked at the lyrics um, in the song, um, Luther is speaking of or singing about the fact that the shell of the house, right, is of no value, um, other than just brick and mortar, right, or, or or frames, and we've been talking about this in this series, right, these pillars, uh, these beams, right, a roof, flooring, all this good stuff, piping and electricity, all of that's there, right, but he starts dealing with what's in the house, and specifically, he's talking about the relationship he has with his love interest, the woman who he desires to be with him in the house, to to share love with right an intimate romantic love right and he talks about i love when he says a chair is still a chair even when there's no one sitting there right so what luther was getting at is right you can have decor furnishings 
and all these amenities that we all desire and want in our home, right? Um, they're tangible artifacts or tangible things that we use for sitting, for dining, for life, right? In our home or for our apartment. I don't want to just uh, highlight homes. Whatever residence you choose, right? We have these 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 accommodations uh, and these items in our home because we want them to make it where we feel a certain way in our house, right? And we know each room, if you're like in my house or any apartment and place I've ever been in, each room has its own identity, right? It has its own furnishings. It has its own pictures, its own um, vases and desks and TVs, you name it, right? We could go down the line of different things we put it. And the functionality of those rooms serve a different purpose, right? My living room and P hit on this last week about you know, prop, uh, prioritization and proper placement, right? And so in my home, my living room is for entertaining persons and for relaxing, right? Whereas my bedroom is intended to be a space for my wife and I to rest. Same for my girls in their room. Their room is a place for them to rest, to be kind of their own, even though they're in my house um, and I pay the mortgage, my wife and I pay the bills. They get the, they get the opportunity to say they have their own space, right? Their own room. And I'm laughing because uh, the running joke in when me and Lady Almond have these discussions is like, really, you don't own nothing. Everything in that room is mine because I bought it and I furnished it, right? But for the sake of we give them the space, right? So each room has its place and its purpose. Same with the bathroom and the kitchen. They have their own place and their purpose. But, and so the point Luther was getting at, though, was like, without love in the house, and a person to literally share these things with, the house is not a home. It's not a residence. It's not a place of security. It's not a place of um, of rest. It's not a place where you feel uh, at home. We know that, right? There's We've been in places where you don't feel at home, right? And so the purpose of why we do all these things in our house, all the decorations, like as I'm looking around at my house, we have certain things that we we literally went out to to places like Floor and Decor, Home Depot, um, you name it. Uh, go down the list, big lots, all these different places where they had certain items we wanted to furnish our house with couches, sofas, beds, TVs, all these things, right? Dressers, all these things to make our living better. Right. And those things also help us to create an environment, me and my family, to create an environment where we feel connected, where we feel um, united. Right. So the same is true even in our relationships. Right. If we look at our, we really took a time and, and peel back some of the layers of our relationships, uh, whether that's with our parents, whether it's with family, whether it's with our kids, whether it's with our spouses, our loved ones. We, we can literally begin to see some amenities or some 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 decor that we have some elements that we've added to these relationships to make them work, to make them valuable, to make them uh, feel feel like home. That's the best way I can say it. Right. And so the reason we do this is because it helps these relationships to thrive, to survive. Um, sometimes we need certain things we have to implement in order to restore relationships, right? And to bring them back to a place where we can be on the same page as the person, right? And so today what I want to dig into is like, really, 
what what if we had to ask ourselves the question like what 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 are the elements that are evident in our relationships right what if we looked at it one by one if we look at some of these relations what are some of the elements we see that are similar in some what are some of the elements that are different in these different relations based on you know our our standing in them like my relationship with my daughters is similar in ways to my relationship with my wife but they're different as well they have to be right because of just the positioning of me dealing with her as another adult and as my wife as well as me dealing with my daughters as my children right and my my for lack of a better word my responsibility that comes with authority right as their as the steward of them, right? God has given, made me the steward of them. So how I deal with them is different than how I'm going to communicate and deal with my wife. Same is true with my friends versus my cohort. There's different elements. Now, there's some things that bleed over in those relationships. And so today, what we want to do is look at those elements. What is the decor? What are the, what are the characteristics that we have in these relationships to make them work? Right. And as we close out, like I said, as we close out this series, I think this is only fitting that we think about it. Right. Because we strategically went through a process where P talking about the power of laying down the right God, laying down the right foundation in our relationships. I followed up and talked about um, actually, you know, making sure the framing or the, the, the construction from ground up was actually sound. Right. Structurally sound relationship. And P again talked about prioritization. Right. Things have different reasons for that, different parts of our house. And today I want to end with those. What are those essentials? Right. I know in your house, your apartment, wherever you stay, there are some essential things that you need in that house in order for it to be a place of residence where you feel at home, where you feel it's functional, whether it is up to par with what you need to operate. The same is true about the external part, right, of your house. I don't know about you, but I get to choose. I, I was able to, when I first bought the house we're in, I, I, me and my wife were like, ah, paint on our side was gray, drabish. They had some shutters on front of the window. We were like, oh, eventually we're going to remodel this. We're going to get rid of it. We can already see it in our eyes, in our mind, what we want to do with this. And so we did. We changed the front, uh, gave it a total remodel facelift, right? We put on a, 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 um, a stucco veneer and, and put on some uh, brick. I mean, some uh, some top granite tile on the on the outside. We painted it, uh, put up some gutters, all that stuff that just changed it, right? And we put out some landscaping to change it. So even in our relationship, there are times when our relationships need to be remodeled. They need to be refurbished. Some things need to be torn down. Some things need to be replaced. Some things. Um, if you're like me, also, uh, we. From one place to the next, you get rid of things, right? You get rid of some parts of furnishing and you get rid of stuff and let it go. And then you add on, you bring in some new stuff to bring a different feel, a different decor, right? And so that's the same is true in our relationships. And so as we look in, as we dig into the day in Colossians chapter three, we want to see what Paul talks about um, how we as believers should operate with other believers. But I want to push us today. And this is the practical part I want. I want to push us right to get out of our comfort zone. So while Paul is speaking directly to believers in the church of um, Colossae, right? Colossae, I'm saying Colossae, Colossae, right? As he's talking to those believers in this church in Colossians, right? He's speaking to them about how they interact with each other. But 
I want to push this to think about not only just how we interact with each other as believers, but how we interact with others in general, right? Because I'm I'm of the belief as a believer that the way I operate with other believers is the same way God will require me to operate with my neighbor, a stranger, or anyone I come into interaction with, right? Uh, I don't get to pick and choose who I love when they're God's creation. Mm. Let me say that again. We don't get to pick and choose how we deal with people who are made in the image, the imagio day of God. Right. I think part of the conflict that we have in our society right now is too many of us want to uh, choose who and whom we want to deal with in certain ways. Mm. And I'm, I'm not saying it just as I'm saying for myself as well. Right. I'm, I'm a big political uh, follower um, and I have some strong beliefs, not necessarily for one side or other, but um, I have some strong political beliefs, I'm sure, um, and some thoughts. Um, I am unashamedly pro-black uh, <laughs> as a black man. Right. And so those things can cause friction. Right. When we interact with people who may be different from us. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That, right. So what we'll end up doing is we will think that there are conditions to these terms, right, of what these essentials for these relationships that we interact in on a day to day basis. We will we will want to pick and choose which essentials are fit for each relationship. And the reality is God is like, nah, you don't get to make that, especially as a believer. If we look at the life of Jesus Christ in the New Testament, Jesus literally was consistent. And as our example, we are to be consistent in all of our relationships as well. Right. So I'm, I'm going to try and stay close to my notes, but I feel God pulling me somewhere else. So I'm, I'm trying to I'm, I'm mindful of my notes on my screen next to me. But I'm really letting the Holy Ghost lead me right now, because, um, again, this we, we this is not one of these um, sermon series or a sermon where we, we want to be. Uh, uh, well, we want to miss the elements because I really believe if we get this thing together about relationships and how we how we treat each other as believers in the body of Christ, as well as beyond the body of Christ, um, I, the world will be different. The world will be different. Right. And 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 Dr. King, and I'm, I'm, I got to do it because we're in Black History Month as we, as we end Black History Month. This weekend, right? And today. And we go into the month of March, right? We know black history is just American history. It's part of history, right? But we know we focus for six months. And one of the people we always hear about a lot is Dr. King. And I unashamedly um study a lot of Dr. King because I'm I'm a, I'm a fan. I'm a, um his his theological pursuits were what literally appealed to me when I went to seminary. So um I was reading this week about doing some research and looking at some things, right? And and one of the things Dr. King really stressed um, that was a part of his his theological premise was this notion of um, creating a world house for a beloved community. Again, a world house and a beloved community. Right. And that, the, that essentially at the heart of it, he was like, there are certain qualities that God in the Bible has told us to operate in these relationships with others. Not just again, not just believers, but all oh, he was saying this, this, if we're really honest with ourselves from the time our feet 
hit the ground when we roll out of bed to the end of our day when we roll back in the bed. We have interacted with other people by the objects, the technology, the resources that we use day to day. Right. Starting with the toothpaste we use, the toothbrush, the washcloth, the towel we use, right? The socks we put on our feet, the food in our refrigerator, the coffee we drink, the, all of it. It comes from some, someone in some other part of this, the, the state we live in, the city we live in, um, the region we live in within the United States and beyond globally has had some element of touch on that item, right? And we are now benefiting from it, right? So if that is the case, wouldn't it behoove me to have great relationships with more than just the people I identify with or who I want to identify with or who I choose to identify with, right? The reality is I need to have a healthy relationship with all of God's creation, all human beings, because again, they are made in the image of the same God that whose image I made in. So my interactions with them should possess the very same elements of the relationship that I have with God. Mm, that's good, Holy Ghost. The, I'm going to say that again. The relationships I have with those who are made in the image of God and look like God, right? I should have the same relationship with them with the unseen God that I have never laid eyes on, but that I have a relationship with through the son, Jesus Christ and the Holy Spirit in this word. So in King's argument, different should not mean deficient. Yes, Jer uh, Reverend Jer Dr. Jeremiah Wright said the same thing in a sermon. He said uh, he was addressing, um, and that wasn't a sermon, it was actually a, a speech he gave um, for, I think it was an NAACP event, where he talked about this term. He said, difference does not mean deficient. So we can't harp on our differences and allow us to cast judgment on who and what and how we choose to interact with each other. Because again, if we all are created in the image of God, in order to have relation, healthy relationships, the same thing must be true about how we treat each other with these elements that we're gonna see Paul raise before the people in the church of, Coloss of Colossians. So let's dive right in, right? I, I, I'm going to skip past some of my background context. Just so I'm going to give a count. Paul is writing to uh, this, these group of believers in this church that was started by um, Epaphras, um, his colleague and associate who was out spreading the gospel along with, as we know, Paul had a number of people who he sent out to different regions to go spread the gospel and, and develop new churches to advance the church, preach the gospel, right? And so he's writing this letter to the people because, again, they're still wrestling with letting go. Uh, he's writing to Jews and Gentiles who are, are in community together, but are wrestling with these new theological concepts, right? This new Christian faith and those who are still on the side of Judaism and wanting to hold on to the traditions that we see in the Hebrew Bible and the Old Testament. And he's, he's, he's speaking to the believers that are now in this church of Colossae, Colossae and he's saying to them, Listen, 
I get it. You're still being pulled because that's the that's the thing you've seen, you've known, you've heard, you've been around so long. You're still being attracted to it because there's that affinity to it, right? Because it's the familiar. This is unfamiliar over here with this Christian thing. So I want to remind you, gentlemen and ladies that are now these new converts, hey, hold on to your faith, hold on to your beliefs, hold on to the teachings that me and Epaphras are giving to you all to understand the faith, right? And so what we see is them is him, as always, he's encouraging them to hold on, to stay steadfast. And then he's giving them some very practical teachings on how they should be interacting with each other within the church. Right. So let's dig right in. If we look at uh, chapter three, right, we see where Paul is literally separating this understanding of these vices. Right. These vices that uh, he identifies as them being a part of these vices being a part of their old life, their old life before they accepted Christ in their life and received the gospel. Right. So he began. And I love the the, the imagery. Right. He uses uh, the term of garments or clothing as a way to describe these different vices. And he does the same to discuss the virtues that he wants them to adopt. In their relationships and how they relate with each other. All right, so we're going to look at it. So if you look in three from five verses five through uh, verses five through eight, um, he begins to have this conversation of uh, verses, actually verses nine. Um, he begins to have this conversation about these vices, right? And the vices, and I'm going to read it again because I want us to be very specific, but the vices um, this is what I love at when I was studying this text. These vices, he wants them to get rid of them or put them, take them off. And like it's almost like if I took off a jacket and put it to the side. He wants them to take these vices off as a clothing item or garments and put them to the side because he wants them to adopt some new garments when we read these other virtues, right? But what are these vices he wants to get rid of? He says, Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Mm, that's a big statement. Idolatry meaning that is those are things he's saying, those are things you all have worshipped and put in place in before God. So the question we have to ask ourselves is: what have we allowed ourselves? What of our sinful nature have we allowed to be above God? And put in place in front of God. What are some things that we are still um, esteeming, holding high, right? Worshiping. That's what when we worship, praise and worship God, we are esteeming God. We are placing God as a high priority with our praise and our worship, which should hopefully align with our day-to-day -day lives, right? So what Paul is saying is take off these sinful things. That you have allowed yourself to literally make idols of. Right. And you've allowed yourself to be committed to them more than you have been to God. And so he says, um, because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived. But in these, uh, uh, excuse me, but now you must rid yourselves of all such of these things as anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. And do not lie to each other since you have taken off your old self with its practices. So 
Imagine, right, when you he's saying, take off this garment. Imagine if you had a cloak and the cloak was filled with all of these vices, these things that have um, have have literally uh, blocked your relationship with God and your relationship horizontally to one another. Remember, I talked about that before in uh, the sermon two weeks ago. Right. The sin that we deal with separates us on two planes vertically with God. And separates us horizontally with alignment with each other, right? So imagine a cloak on, right? Imagine if you had on a garment, right? That garment that you're covered in keeps you from being um, exposed, keeps you from being uh, seen or fully seen. So he's saying, take off, take off this cloak of vices, this these things that you've allowed to help God protect you and guard you and keep you. Um, away from relationship and transparency with God and relationship and transparency with each other, right? And, and in fact, um, I love what the comment one of the commentators in the book said. He said, these, these vices are detrimental to the community. They're detrimental to our relationship with God because what they do is create a sense of um, um, self-isolation, Self-isolation, meaning we, 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 with these vices, we tend to operate selfishly and in an antisocial way, right? Now, we're honest with ourselves. How many of us, even as believers now, when we, when we have had some, some, some moments where we fell in sin or fell in some old ways of operating and thinking, we find it hard to go before God and pray and meditate and seek his face because we've, we've put on this cloak Mm, of isolation to try and hide ourselves. It's no different than when Adam and Eve. What what happened when when they when they when they bit the fruit? Right? What 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 happened? They they said, "Oh Lord, we're naked. We gotta find something to put on." And the Lord said, "Well, who told you you was naked?" Right? So they came to the understanding that that they had already fell in sin. The same happens with us. When we fall in sin, we want to hide from God. And God's like, well, one, how you going to hide from me? I know every, I know everything about you. I know where you are. I know where you're coming. I know where you're going. I know I know your thoughts. I know, I know everything. So you can't really hide. But what we can do in those moments is we can, we can cut off our communication with God and our communication with each other. And look at that through malice, anger, rage, right? Lust, greed, those things block our ability to really communicate uh, honestly with each other, right? Those things lead to deception. They lead to lying, to trickery. And so we begin to separate ourselves further from each other with these vices. And so Paul is saying, no, take that garment off. Allow yourself to be vulnerable. Allow yourself to be transparent. Allow yourself to be seen, to be heard, to be felt by God and for you to feel God and experience God's love, experience God's grace, experience God's mercy. And allow yourselves to do the same with each other, to be vulnerable, to be transparent, to see the flaws in each other and recognize that at the end of the day, I'm no better than my neighbor. I'm no better than my kids. I'm no better than my wife. I'm no better than my husband. I'm no better than the person next. I, I am in need of God's love and grace. So take that cloak off. 
take off that that cloak of anti-socialism, like right being anti-social and not wanting to interact. Take it off. And then he says, I love what he does in here in 12. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive whatever grievances you may have against one another. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. So he's saying, once you put that other cloak down, right, pick up this new cloak and put that one on. Right. And as I was reading, the commentator said this this analogy is is similar to when Jesus talks about the wine skins. Right. When you, you don't put new wine in in old wine skins because they'll burst. Right. They can't handle it. They can't. They can't hold it. Your older self before Christ can't handle these new virtues that he's talking about. You can't handle uh, being uh, gracious, compassionate, kind, humility, uh, and, and bearing humility and, and being forbearing and gentle with your neighbor. If you try and put it in the, in the old self of you, because you know why the old you is still filled with those other vices you had to take off. And if we're honest with ourselves, even as new believers, we still, you, you know, you ever have like a, a old a old shirt or a, a favorite shirt, a favorite pair of pants, favorite pair of shorts or some gym shorts. Um, and you, <laughs> and they, they are raggedy as, I don't know what, you know, you need to get rid of them. You need to literally throw them away, but it's something. It's some. It could be a memory. It could be who gave it to you. It could be the comfort. You just want to put them on, and you know you shouldn't have it on because one, it don't fit, or one is so raggedy, it ain't no point of you putting it on. It got holes. It got a. a, a it's it's damaged. It's what we want to put it on, and God's like, no, let it go. Let some of that stuff go. You think that stuff is protecting you and keeping you, and it's not. Let it go. Put on this new garment. Clothe yourself in it. Now, you think about it. Clothe it means when you put on clothes in the morning, right? We don't just put on a shirt. No, you put on a shirt. You put on some form of a bottom for women. It might be a slacks. It might be a dress. Um, it might be a skirt. For brothers, we put it on some slacks. We put on some jeans. We put, right. We, we put on. We, we got to put on underwear. I don't know. I, I mean, some of y'all may choose otherwise, but I, I'm just saying. <laughs> we put on undergarments, we put on socks, we put on shoes, we put on a belt, right? We he's saying clothe yourself in these elements because you will need all of them in this new outfit of yours that you are now in me. Because to have a relationship with God, He's already th this is what I love too. God has already provided the wardrobe. God has already said, this is the wardrobe. I'm giving you the wardrobe in verses 12 through 14. This is the wardrobe you're supposed to wear. And the same true for our home, right? I, I want to come back to that home analogy. The decor, you know, I, for those who know, uh, Jared, uh, one of our members and myself, we, we, we deal in remodeling homes, right? So you, you buy older properties that are dilapidated for, for just aging over time or the lack of use or 
um, um, are just they're just outdated, right? So you go in and demo, you test some stuff up, you remove some stuff, you throw it all in the dumpster, and you refurbish it, you remodel it, you put some new amenities, some new cabinets, some new appliances, some new paint, some new flooring, right? You put in these new things. Now the shell is still the same. The roof, you might even put a new roof, but the braces on that roof are the same. You might just put down some new shingles. Right on the outside, you put on some new paint, some new landscaping, and that house looks brand new. We've all seen uh, makeover shows on TV, right? The house looks amazing, right, from what it looked like before. This is the same thing that Jesus has done in our lives, right? If you're like me, I can recall sometimes in my former self where I was, I wasn't, I wasn't meek. I wasn't humble with people. Right? I wasn't forgiving, forgiving. I wasn't forbearing. I wasn't willing to bear other people's burdens. I wasn't willing to give people grace to make mistakes, to fall. Right. Or I wouldn't be forgive those who might have wronged me with word or deed or action. Right. I, I would hold grudges. I would I would hold on to some things that uh, uh, feeling like they wronged me and I wouldn't have done to them. Right. And then right, we become self-pretentious, like we have never done these things to other people. Right. And the reality is, if we if we really reflect on ourselves and the things we've done to others. Help us, Holy Ghost. Right. We've been extended some of these things. We've been extended grace. People have been uh, humble with us when they didn't have to be. People have been forbearing. I know my wife has been forbearing. God knows she has. She's forgiven me for some things that if she didn't have to. But that relationship we have has made shown me Christ's love for me and Christ's forgiveness and grace, his mercy more and love than any other relationship in my life. And then my kids, oh, let's even get on that. It's times where I know I didn't jump. I did it this week. I I I was tired. You know when you're tired as a parent, you're frustrated. I snapped on my oldest child, Haley. She responded appropriately. And when I picked up from school that afternoon, I had to say, hey, man, sorry. I, 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 I snapped earlier. I was wrong. I said, but now nah, my snapping was couched in my love for you and me caring for you and hoping you are doing what I'm asking you to do. Right. But I had to I had to apologize and ask for her forgiveness. I didn't just say sorry. I said, please forgive me for my actions. Right. And so that's what Paul is saying is like we should be wearing these this this these garments, clothing ourselves in them daily. In our interactions with others, because the reality is that's what Christ did for us. It's what God extended to us through Christ. That's why we should do it. If you needed a reason why, I'm going to give you just three quick ones. Three quick ones. One, because that's what God did for us through Christ. He loved us but in spite of us. In fact, God chose us. How awesome is that, right? God chose to love us. He, God chose to separate us and set us apart from those who do not believe. God chose, right? And so because God chose to love us that way, we should choose to love others the same way. 
extending gentleness, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, patience. Right. And if you haven't caught some of these are some of the fruit of the spirit. Yes. Yes. That's intentional. I'm I got, you know, Paul is consistent. Right. And some of his theology throughout the books. That's not a mistake, because if you if if these elements are evident in our relationships with each other. That means we're bearing fruit. We're bearing the fruit that the vine God has already bared with us. And extends to us, right? So we're connected to the vine. We're modeling it. We're modeling what God has already done for us. And the third reason is at the end of the day, think about this. How many times have you been extended some of these virtues and you were undeserving? I'm sure if you're like me on a day-to-day basis. There are people who are bearing, who have been forbearing of your foolishness for a long time. Right? There are some people who've been patient with your lack of impatience or patient with your lack of follow through or your lack of doing what you need to do to grow in your faith and, and, and literally manifesting what God wants in your life. There's some folks who have chosen to be very gentle with you even when you wrong that could be your boss it could be again your mate it could be your kids it could be your neighbor right we got our community group where people post different stuff and at times i i just want to type in like people we're in communion together have grace but people jump on people oh you let your dog take a crap in my yard and and i'm like Hey, it's a way to say it. Like, hey, please, those who walk in your dogs, if you don't mind, make sure you remind, remember to bring a bag so you can pick up your dog stuff so the dogs are rest in my yard or in my driveway, right? The way we communicate with each other could literally could dispel some of the friction we have in our relationships. These practices, and I love what it said, that last one. And I don't want to miss that. The last one it says, and over all these virtues, and verse 14 says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. We've been talking about God's love since we started this year, right? With the first series, and now in this brief by being God building relationships. If love is not at the heart, if you're not putting on the cloak or the garment, of love on a day-to-day basis. If love is not an element within the decor of your home, in the words of Luther Vandross, a home is not a house. If there is no one there, right? No one there to love. He wasn't just talking about, yes, he said, turn the key and cut on the lights. And, but the point he was getting is, if there's no one there to love, to love. He was talking about him loving that person and that person reciprocating that love. Do you really have a home? Right? In your relationships, there's no love. It can't be unified. 
And I would argue you probably not extending any of these other virtues that Paul talked about in verses um, 12 through 14. And I'm going to close with this piece. Verse 17 sums it all up. He says, and whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Everything we do should give God, should be representative of God and to the glory and the thanksgiving of God. That, that stands for believers and unbelievers. They should see how else are people to see God other than through us. So, the essentials of strong relationships. Compassion. Gentleness. Patience. Humility. Forbearance. Forgiveness, and they're unified in love. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for this time together, God. We thank you for this practical yet timely word that you had us to use tonight, God. The essentials of strong relationships, God. God, as we as we internalize these. These virtues, God, these essentials that you want us to have in our lives, God. God, we recognize that just like Solomon uh, in Psalms 127, God, if we do it on our own, it'll be done in vain. Because the reality is we wouldn't be able to do it uh, genuinely and with the level of love necessary for it to truly be lasting relationships, God, that are healthy that are strong, that are God, uh, that represent you, God, and represent your word and what you, the essence of who you are and what you want us to be. So, God, let us get out of the way. Help us to build them brick by brick, God. If there are relationships that we have struggled in, uh, help us to remodel, help us to refurbish, help us to strip away some things and, and replace them with these elements that you've called us to place them in, God. God, if there's relationships that we are no longer in with family or friends because we're holding on to grudges or we're holding on and harboring ill feelings, we're holding on to malice, envy, greed, uh, God, help us to take these cloaks, these garments off, God, and put them to the side. God, in fact, help us to burn them. Help us to burn them so that we can never put them on again. God, help us to do just like we do when we when we when we purge our closets, uh, when we purge our garages or our rooms. God, year to year, when we do what we deem is spring clean. God, help us do some soul cleaning. God, to remove some things. God, that are holding us back spiritually from loving people, your people, people made in your image. God, the way you desire for us to love them. God, and replace them, God, to, to get rid of some things is good. But God, we need something to fill in and we want to replace them with what you've placed here through Paul, God, with gentleness, with meekness, with patience, with forbearance, God, with forgiveness, with love, God. Help us, God. We can't do it on our own, Lord. We don't want to do we don't want relationships to exist in vain. 
We want them to be productive to your glory, God. And at the end of the day, Lord, we will give you all the thanksgiving and the praise because we know that if you're in the midst of our relationships, God, they can be fruitful. They can bear fruit. They can be prosperous, God. They can be a life-giving, God, the way you intend them to be. Thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for us to get better at loving one another, God. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You all be blessed and look forward to joining you all next week. Thank you.